Chapter 5, Part 5 of The Life and Letters of Elizabeth Prentice by George Prentice. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Teresa Downey. The summer at Westport was so beneficial to the baby, and so full both of bodily and spiritual refreshment to herself, that on returning to town she resumed her home tasks with unwanted ease and comfort. The next entry in her journal alludes to this. November 27th. Two months, and not a word in my journal. I have done far more with my needle and my feet than with my pen. One comes home from the country to a good many cares, and they are worldly cares, too, about eating and about wearing. I hope the worst of mine are over now, and that I shall have more leisure. But no, I forget that now comes the dreaded, dreaded experience of weaning baby. But what then? I have had a good rest this fall, have slept unusually well. Why, only think some nights not waking once, and some nights only a few times. And then we have had no sickness. Baby better, all better. Now I ought to be willing to have the trials I need so much, seeing as I have had such a rest. And heaven, heaven, let me rest on that precious word. Heaven is at the end, and God is there. Early in March, 1857, she was taken very ill, and continued so until May. For some weeks her recovery hardly seemed possible. She felt assured her hour had come, and was eager to go. All the yearnings of her heart, during many years, seemed on the point of being gratified. The next entry in her journal refers to this illness. Sunday, May 24, 1857 Just reading over the last record, how ashamed I felt of my faithlessness! To see dear baby so improved by the very change I dreaded, and to hear her pretty, cheerful prattle, and to find in her such a source of joy and comfort, what undeserved, what unlooked-for mercies! But like a physician who changes his remedies as he sees occasion, and who forbears using all his severe ones at once, my father first relieved me from my wearing care and pain about this dear child, and then put me under new discipline. It is now nearly six months since I have been in usual health, and eight weeks of great prostration and suffering have been teaching me many needed lessons. Now, contrary to my hopes and expectations, I find myself almost well again. At first, having got my heart set toward heaven, and after fancying myself almost there, I felt disappointed to find its gates still shut against me. But God was very good to me, and taught me to yield in this point to his wiser and better will. He made me, as far as I know, as peaceful in the prospect of living, as joyful in the prospect of dying. Heaven did, indeed, look very attractive, when I thought myself so near it. I pictured myself as no longer a sinner, but a blood-washed saint. I thought I shall soon see him whom my soul loveth, and see him as he is. I shall never wound, never grieve him again, and all my companions will be they who worship him and adore him. But not yet am I there. Alas, not yet a saint. My soul is oppressed, now that health is returning, to find old habits of sin returning too, and this monster self usurping God's place as of old, and pride, and love of ease, and all the infirmities of the flesh thick upon me. After being encompassed with mercies for two months, 
having every comfort this world could offer for my alleviation, I wonder at myself that I can be anything but a meek, docile child, profiting by the master's discipline, sensible of the tenderness that went hand in hand with every stroke, and walking softly before God and man. But I am indeed a wayward child, and in need of many stripes. May I be made willing and thankful to bear them. Indeed, I do thank my dear master that he does not let me alone, and that he has let me suffer so much. It has been a rich experience, this long illness, and I do trust he will so sanctify it that I shall have cause to rejoice over it all the rest of my life. Now may I return patiently to all the duties that lie in my sphere. May I not forget how momentous a thing death appeared when seen face to face, but be ever making ready for its approach. And may the glory of God be, as it never yet has been, my chief end. My love to him seems to me so very feeble and fluctuating. Satan and self keep up a continual struggle to get the victory. But God is stronger than either. He must and will prevail. And at last, and in a time far better than any I can suggest, he will open those closed gates and let me enter in to go no more out. And then I shall never, never sin. As might be inferred from this record, she was at this time in the sweetest mood, full of tenderness and love. The time of the singing of birds had now come, and all nature was clothed with that wondrous beauty and verdure which marked the transition from spring to summer. The drives which now she was able to take into the country, on either side of the river, gave her the utmost delight. On the 30th of May, the day that has since become consecrated to the memory of the nation's heroic dead, she went with her husband and eldest daughter to visit and place flowers upon the graves of Eddie and Bessie. Never is Greenwood more lovely and impressive than at that moment when May is just passing into June. It is as if nature were in a transfiguration and the glory of the Lord shone upon the graves of our beloved. Mrs. Prentice made no record of this visit, but on the following day thus wrote in her journal, May 31st another peaceful, pleasant Sunday, whose only drawback has been the want of strength to get down on my knees and praise and pray to my Saviour, as I long to do. For, well as I am, and astonishingly approved in every way, a very few minutes' use of my voice, even in a whisper and prayer, exhausts me to such a degree that I am ready to faint. This seems so strange when I can go on talking to any extent, but then it is talking without emotion, in a desultory way. Ah, well, God knows best in what manner to let me live, and I desire to ask for nothing but a docile, acquiescent temper, whose only petition shall be, What wilt thou have me do? Not, How can I get most enjoyment along the way? I cannot believe, if I am his child, that he will let anything hinder my progress in the divine life. It seems dreadful that I have gone on so slowly and backwards so many times. But then I have been thinking that this is to humble and to prove me, and to do me good in the latter end. I thank my God and Saviour for every faint desire he gives me to see him as he is, and to be changed into his image, and for every struggle against sin he enables me to make. It is all of him. I do wish I loved him better. I do wish he were never out of my thoughts, and that the aim to do his will swallowed up all other desires and strivings. 
Satan whispers, that will never be. But it shall be, one day, O oh, longed-for, blessed, blissful day, Christ will become my all in all, yes, even mine. This is the last entry in her journal for more than a year. Her letters, too, during the same period, are very few. In August of 1857, she was made glad by the birth of another son, her fifth child. Her own health was now much better than it had been for a long time, but that of her husband had become so enfeebled that in April 1858 he resigned his pastoral charge, and by the advice of his physician determined to go abroad with his family for a couple of years, the munificent kindness of his people having furnished him with the means of doing so. The tender sympathy and support which she gave him in this hour of extreme weakness and trial, more than everything else after the blessing of heaven, upheld his fainting spirits and helped to restore him at length to his chosen work. They set sail for the old world in the steamship Arago, Captain Lines, June 26th, amidst of cloud of friendly wishes and benedictions. End of chapter 5, part 5 of the Life and Letters of Elizabeth Prentice by George Prentice. Recording by Teresa Downey.